0: Hey, friends, you're listening to episode 54 of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz, and I am so happy to have you here. If you are new, welcome. And if you're returning, I'm happy to see you again. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can do it right here in the podcast app. It's super easy and it helps me out so much, really get an idea of what you care about and if this podcast is giving you any sort of value. So I appreciate that so much. If you could just go ahead and leave a rating and a review, I like them a lot and they make me really happy. I also love to see y'all sharing these episodes on your Instagram stories. And I love hearing from your friends in the DM saying, so-and-so sent me here and I enjoy this so much. And it has just been such a great community of connections. And I feel like every week it gets better and better. So I just want to say thank you. I feel like I thank y'all a lot, but like just want to make sure that y'all know I'm super, super grateful today's episode of eco chic is actually inspired by somewhat of a current event so last week the green new deal did not pass in congress there was a video of alexandria oscasio cortez she is a congresswoman from new york and there was a video of her that went totally viral of her during a congressional meeting so if you don't know aoc she is like the millennial queen really the face of this green new deal so while she did not put it together she has been pushing for it quite heavily So she gets quite heated about the concept that climate change is an elitist issue. So she is saying that members of Congress put this down because climate change is seen as an elitist issue. And she says that's totally not true. There are children in the South Bronx experiencing the highest rates of childhood asthma ever seen before. Flint, Michigan still doesn't have clean water. People are dying. And I'm going to go ahead and agree with her. Climate change affects everyone, whatever your socioeconomic standing, and whether you accept climate change or not, it is affecting you. So, however, I do believe that this conversation needs to be taken a step further. I am of the belief that environmental lifestyles can be quite privileged. So in that sense, environmentalism is elitist. So while climate change affects us all, the choices you make are very inherently influenced by your privilege in society. We have previously discussed how living a lower waste, more environmentally friendly lifestyle can really save you money. So you're reusing things instead of throwing something out and always just repurchasing it you're not paying for any embedded costs of plastic packaging. If you're sourcing something locally, that transportation cost isn't factored into your product. So your ability to partake in certain eco-conscious lifestyle habits, let's say, is directly related to where you live and also arguably related to your status in that particular area. So for the purposes of this conversation today, I want to talk about plastic. Now, obviously, there are ten thousand more ways that we can think about our environmental footprints so we can talk about water consumption or carbon footprints or there are so many other measurements of our environmental impact. Plastic for this conversation is just really easiest for us to conceptualize because it's solid and it's so much more visible than these other resources that we are consuming every day. So a little disclaimer that these concepts about eco-conscious lifestyles and, quote, elitism can be connected to, like, so many other topics when it comes to climate change. Just want to put that out there. But plastic is just really for us to see and visualize as we're having this conversation. So now let's actually get talking about the plastic. Our favorite way here on EcoChic to start talking about plastic and how it's impacting your life is to think about plastic consumption in the grocery store and in your food buying habits. So grocery stores are more basically an interesting look at community dynamics. So like, why do some areas have a Whole Foods and other areas have these lower end stores that may not even carry organic produce or things like brown rice? They're targeting the makeup of that neighborhood. What can people afford and where are they actually going to show up? There is a reason why we see things like higher rates of childhood obesity and other health concerns in these neighborhoods of lower socioeconomic status. If you're working long shifts and you're exhausted and you're coming home and you have kids to feed dinner, it is an attractive option to buy inexpensive fast food. So by a similar token, these neighborhoods are getting the plastic waste associated with those cheap, quick lifestyles. They are going to grocery stores that are full of packaging and plastic because that's what the area needs. And you don't really have the time to go ahead and, like, get your bulk bins together and move everything into jars when you get home. If you don't have the time for that, that's not the lifestyle you're going to choose to live. They're going to grocery stores that are full of packaging and plastic because that's what they need. And one step further on a larger scale, the context of that particular store are also influenced by the political makeup of the area. So I'm not talking about political affiliations of, like, people individually, but these larger community political pulls. So for starters, quite basically, let's think that it is significantly easier to minimize your plastic consumption in Los Angeles versus Miami, Florida. But within Los Angeles, those stores of those package-free choices are definitely clustered in a few block radius. Again, just serving the consumers of that particular area. What are they going to show up for? Now, this is probably totally a no-brainer. Poor communities don't have grocery stores that only offer organic, GMO-free, whatever but they are also not necessarily food deserts. Again, we are not talking about equal access to healthy food today, which is also a huge issue. We're talking about plastic right now and why it is the way that it is. Now, here is the big thesis of this conversation. Plastic is political. So we will go ahead and just start the conversation in my home state of Florida. Sea level rise is literally happening right now. Miami is actually sitting at negative sea level as this episode comes out. The Florida government is still some of the biggest climate change deniers. Florida legislature has essentially banned cities from enacting bans on things like plastic bags and styrofoam. Plastic straws are getting a lot of attention right now, and I'm fairly certain that a similar ban on bans of plastic straws will come up. So trigger warning, everybody. I have a controversial opinion from a Floridian. Publix is not as great as we think. Publix is the premium grocery store in Florida. They've got locations all over the state and now in Georgia and the Carolinas. And people from Florida generally believe that Publix is like God's greatest gift to us. And I think there is actually a lot of work to do. It's an interesting like fan club that Floridians have for this grocery store, but there's a lot of work to do. It's hard to shop package free, especially because they don't have any bulk bins or pay by the pound options for basic staples like things like rice and dry beans. And it's also kind of hard to find certain produce items plastic-free. So here is a super annoying little bit. Publix is very pro-plastic bags. In 2015, the Florida Retail Federation, the FRF, sued the city of Coral Gables after proposing a plastic bag ban. So this was almost four whole years ago. The argument was based on the premise that consumers like plastic bags. That was Publix's like, whole argument, consumers like plastic bags. Of the five directors of this Florida Retail Federation, one of the five seats on this federation belonged to Publix. And now Publix is just, of course, a member at large, a second-tier member, but still very inherently influenced in this decision. Now, at the total opposite end of the spectrum, we have a state like California. California totally outlawed single-use plastic bags in 2016. Like zero, no plastic bags, grocery stores, malls, pharmacies, nothing. Now, correlation is not causation, but it's fair to infer that forcing consumers to be more conscious of their reusable habits on a daily basis has some ripple effects. So there was a 72% decrease in the litter found in just one single year after this plastic bag ban on Coastal Cleanup Day. Interestingly enough, the majority of bulk stores in North America are concentrated on the West Coast. So I'm not saying that banning plastic bags has to definitely encourage people to reduce their waste in other ways, but it is definitely suggestive. As some more supportive precedent, there is research that shows a very similar correlation between the popularity of package-free stores in France and also France having the most waste reduction in the European Union in 2014 as these package-free stores began to really take hold. So I'm just saying in America, bag bans definitely start the conversation. It doesn't have to change your lifestyle altogether, but it just gets you thinking a little bit deeper about your plastic choices. And if you are not in an area that's politically supportive of moving away from these plastic single-use items, the region as a whole is going to be way less inclined to think deeper about the other environmental choices that they could be making in their everyday lives. So beyond plastic bags, there are items like plastic straws. There are liberal cities like Seattle and San Diego that have totally banned plastic straws. But can we realistically expect a federal ban on plastic straws? No, definitely not with our current administration. Food waste is similarly a huge issue to tackle, especially since organic material in landfills emits methane, which is a super gross greenhouse gas, actually 24 times more potent than carbon dioxide in warming our atmosphere. So however, composting is way easier for individual homeowners who can set up backyard systems. And then by comparison, renters of apartments might have to literally trek across a city to a particular drop-off site for their compost. So you're way more likely to compost if you own your own space. And again, that is definitely correlated to your socioeconomic status, whether or not you're a homeowner and then whether or not you can take that home ownership for a composting system. There are plenty of cities that have compost pickup systems, but most do not, especially not those that are less environmentally inclined to begin with. When we think about what is in our trash cans, we think about disposable items, we think of leftovers, empty toiletry bottles, stuff like that. And the contents of your trash can are actually a great thing to sort through and kind of figure out where you can find more eco-conscious alternatives. However, you totally can't do this with every single landfill-bound item. There are a lot of things that are waste. So let's think about contact lenses that might be wasteful, or we're thinking about medical supplies or anything along those lines. There's a lot of waste in our society that we're not going to get rid of all the way. So until we are moving towards a circular economy, so where everything is reused and repurposed in its entirety, we're not remining any new materials, we probably will not empty every single trash can. And on episode 47 with Dr. Brian Peterson a few weeks ago, we touched on the social implications of a circular economy. Capitalism is not environmental. It doesn't really make sense. A circular economy is not going to solve climate change. In conclusion, there are a lot of reasons that a person can't be as environmental as they'd like. It's not always about wanting to be eco-friendly, but there are social factors like where you live and your income that play a big role in that conversation. And for that reason, I want to reiterate a big theme we've shared on lots of episodes of Eco Chic before. Do what works for you. Environmentalism shouldn't be stressful or time consuming or some major lifestyle shift for you. You don't have to do it all. Just pick one thing and be really, really good at it. And more things will follow when it's time. I hope you enjoyed that quick little conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of Eco Chic, please, again, rate and review. I would love to reach out and hear your thoughts on this conversation on environmentalism and privilege. And I would love to just get that ball rolling and have these interesting conversations little by little with each of you. I am just enjoying these conversations so much. Don't forget to rate, review, screenshot, tell your friends. I am so excited to just continue connecting with all of y'all. If you want to get in touch, the easiest way is via Instagram DM. We are at Eco Chic Podcast. My personal page is at Laura E. Diaz, but you can also send me an email, LauraEDiaz.com. That's also super easy if you are so inclined. I hope to see all y'all here next Tuesday. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old.